Amen. You can be seated. Pour out your power, Lord. God is good. Don't we need to be reminded of that this morning? So glad you're here this morning. Welcome to Centennial Church. My name is Ross. If you're our guest, there should be a Connect card in front of you, or you can get it on our CC app. We would love uh, just to pray with you. There's a place for prayer requests on there. You can drop that in the little baskets that are now attached to the wall in the back, or you can submit that online. But we'd love uh, to pray with you. Our mission as a church here is centering lives on Jesus Christ, and we have four primary strategies by, what we, by which we do that. One of those strategies is what we call holistic mission, and uh, we believe that every believer is a missionary. Uh, when we break camp today after our big after party, we're having lunch today, so if you're visiting, you, you came on a great day, we got the food truck out there, hope you'll stay and uh, hang out with us. But as we break camp and we go out in the world Monday through Saturday, we are missionaries to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces. We believe that every believer is a minister and a missionary. We also believe that every believer should partner and every church should partner with other missionary uh, endeavors around the world. And this morning, we have a guest with us, Jenny Wrights Compeer, is here with us uh, from Haiti via Canada. Come on up here, Jenny. And uh, Jenny has spent 20-plus years of her life in Haiti, giving her lives, uh, particularly to children there, in a place called the House of Hope. You need a microphone, Jenny, so I'm going to go over here and grab one. Um, the House of Hope, we have been supporting the House of Hope and Jenny and the, the work going on there for the last 10 years or so, um, but Jenny has given 20 years of her life to the kids of Haiti, and, and I think what happens at the House of Hope, which she's going to tell you about in just a minute, is a great picture of what we mean when we talk about holistic mission. A lot of times people ask, what do you mean by holistic mission? Well, what I mean is that Jesus has given us a mission, and that is primarily a spiritual mission to make disciples, to spread the gospel. But we believe that as Jesus went about and he ministered, he met the physical, tangible uh, needs of people as well. He healed people. He brought wholeness to uh, individuals as well as communities. And what they do at the House of Hope just pictures that, not only caring for the needs of kids who are displaced without homes or with parents that aren't able to take care of them. They take care of these kids, give them education, all that. And I'm stealing your, no, your talk. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, so, Jenny, just tell us a little bit. Just give us an overview of the ministry that is going on in Haiti, particularly with the House of Hope and and uh, what, what the House of Hope is all about there. Sure. So uh, the House of Hope is a, um, we call it a long-term children's home. It's not technically an orphanage, but we do take in children primarily who are sick and need long-term medical care. And they stay with us for a period of time uh, that they need care. We work together with a partnering hospital, and they receive that care with us. From those kids, some of them uh, go back home again once they're healthy, and some of them, we realize, cannot go back to the situations that they came from. And so those kids stay on permanently, more in a foster care kind of setting. That's um, the closest thing we can relate it to here. Um, and they stay with us. So generally, we have about 80 kids at the House of Hope at any given time. And half of those would be um, sick and rotating in and out, and the other half would be permanent, who stay with us, uh, go to school and um, learn uh, just about Jesus and how much he loves them and how he's the hope for them and the hope uh, for their lives in the midst of a very dark place where chaos reigns. And there they learn um, that he, Jesus, is our hope and their hope to be lights in the darkness where they live. And so we're excited to have them stay with us and to, um, to learn those lessons for life that when they leave, uh, they are leaders and they are lights in their community when they go back home. Awesome, awesome. So tell us a little bit lately at the House of Hope, what has God uh, been up to? What's, what's, what's happening lately these days at the House of Hope? Sure, so um, over the last couple of years, I myself have not lived in Haiti. Um, it was our desire that the Haitian uh, staff would start to take over responsibilities that I used to do. And so I've come back to North America and been traveling around and, and stuff like this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and um, 
it, it's been really neat. It was a scary step to make, uh, to leave and, and to just say, okay, you guys do it. Um, but they have done an incredible job, and it's been so exciting to watch our older, um, they're not kids anymore, really young adults, start to take over some of the leadership roles and step into things that I used to do and feel um, free enough to tell me what they need from me. And that is exciting for me. And I kind of look at myself as just the one to provide them with tools that they need to um, run the House of Hope and then also to learn. And so uh, over the last couple of years, it's, I've been mostly focusing on fundraising and partner development. But they asked me this summer when I was there uh, to please go back to start uh, to doing Bible studies for them and preparing Bible study materials. So this coming year, that's going to be a focus that I'm going to work on. It's what I actually like to do, um, but the fundraising part has to be done. <laughs> so I'll, I'm looking forward to this year to just getting into doing some more Bible studies with them. But one of the things that we've really been learning over the last couple of years is the mystery that's talked about in Colossians 1, 27 and 28, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm. And that is what they have uh, just really latched on to as they face the chaos of life around them and the crises that, that pop up in Haiti every day. To be able to say, I can take this, I can handle this, I can live right in this moment because of Christ who's in me. And um, we have a, a short video to show you of a song that talks about that and how much this song has meant to them. Um, we translated it a number of years ago into Creole, and so they are, are, they are singing along with it. And you'll see that in the video. And just capture uh, the hope uh, that you'll see on their faces. This is part of a summer program that we do with our community. So all the kids you see on here are not our kids but they're kids from our local community that come and do camp with us every summer. Awesome, great. Let's take a look at that video. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain Don't you know that's not your name You will always be much more to me And every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right But that's how I
great. Um, that's excellent. I'm going to ask Jim Hessen to come up here. Jim is our uh, deacon of missions here at Centennial Church, and he's going to pray for Jenny and the, the House of Hope and our other missionaries as well. But, uh, Jenny has a table out in the back. You may have seen it as you walked in. It's got lots of information out there, so be sure and go and talk to her um, after the service as we're having lunch and all that stuff. So, um, Jenny, one other question. We, we partner, we support the House of Hope monthly as a church, but what uh, practically, how intentionally can families as, as part of CC uh, partner more intentionally with what's happening at House of Hope? Sure. So um, there are many ways that we we need help and that people can partner with us. Um, one of the ways I've been working on most recently is getting some more uh, onto social media and getting a website set up. So that is brand new. And um, there are cards out there that look just like that. And that has all the different ways that you can get in touch or in uh, contact with us and just to get to know more about us online. Um, we also have a Facebook page. It's a, it's a group, actually, and it's a closed group um, that you can ask to join. It's closed intentionally because we update it regularly every couple of days with very specific prayer requests to pray for things that are going on at the House of Hope. So Facebook is your thing. Join uh, the group and get updated uh, information of just how to pray um, through the various things that happen day-to-day uh, -day at the House of Hope. Um, obviously, finances is our biggest uh, struggle. It takes about $200 a month per child to be at the House of Hope and to give them all the care that they need. That's medical, their uh, food, schooling, and all of that. So um, I know that maybe for some people that sounds like a very large amount, but I'll tell you, People from all over giving $10 a month, it all goes together and it makes a work like this possible. And so no amount is too small to be able to put together with believers from all over to bring hope uh, to these kids and then also to their um, communities when they go back home again. So um, that's probably the biggest way. One thing, I'll just, one more yep. thing. Um, there's lots of information back there, probably too much, but take what you want or not. Um, for the kids, I just want you to know, We've got a coloring book of life in Haiti that one of our kids drew, and then they've got stories of day-to-day -day life in Haiti in it. So they're free, just they're back there. I have more if there's not enough there, and just feel free to take that. Um, there are also a few fundraising things that we have back there. That's one of the ways that I make uh, the money to go around uh, traveling, and that is with um, one group has done a cookbook for us, and they're back there. They're, I won't say that they're necessarily Haitian meals, but they are Caribbean flair meals in there. And all the pictures are from the House of Hope in that book. So that's back there. And then we just, one more thing, have um, greeting cards that are back there. There's some Christmas ones and some other ones. And those are all drawn by our kids as well. And um, feel free to have some of those. And um, the, it's all back there on the table. So awesome. uh, can I give one, just one more thing yeah, real quick? Yeah. We have, sorry, <laughs> I'm looking for, I'm just throwing this out wherever I go. This coming spring, I want to take a group down to Haiti. And I really need some physical therapists. So if anyone is one or knows one, we have some kids that are really in need of physical therapy right now. And if I could get somebody to go down with me and then show our staff how to care for these kids, that would really be a big help. So if you're interested or know someone who'd be interested in that, let me know. Well, I don't know if we have any physical therapists here, but we had a lot of smiles down here about uh, when the video was going on. So they can at least pay for the physical therapist to go. So uh, Jim, would you pray for Jenny and uh, the House of Hope? And Lord, thank you for this great word about uh, the ministry down there. Uh, we do lift up the leadership and Jenny and all those involved that serve these children. We are called to reach out to the least of these, and certainly um, the children of Haiti, particularly the poorest of the poor, and they are, in the world's eyes, uh, the least, but they're great in your eyes. We thank you that you allow us to partner in a small way here at this body uh, in giving on a regular basis. But we pray even more that uh, you would spur up today changes in our hearts that maybe we could individually give on a monthly basis, um, find those who could go and help, and, uh, and, and spur us on, Lord, by your spirit to see how we might be a part of this ministry in a greater way. 
thank you that you work in these places in the world that we normally can't get to or we don't even think about. Thank you for people like Jenny who are willing to step out and commit their lives to serving others in this way. We thank you for the great hope that we do share, this hope of glory that uh, Jenny spoke about and the kids sang about. We know the world isn't right, but you have a place for us where it will be right. And we have that great hope that no matter what, that you are our God and you will make all things right. We pray for the kids. We pray for Jenny. We pray for our body here, Lord, and for the, um, the worldwide church. We pray also for our brother John, who is out um, traveling around the globe um, in, in spreading your gospel and training others to do that. We pray for the effectiveness of his ministry as he's out there today. And we also pray um, you'd watch over Wendy and the kids and uh, provide the support for them as John is out. And we, we ask, Lord, that uh, you would give us a burden for this world for you. The need is great. The harvest is ripe. We need workers, people who go out and share your gospel and support that. And we pray now that you would do this and work in us, Lord. We thank you and praise you that you are a great and awesome God and able to do all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much, Jenny. Appreciate that. Well, I don't know uh, if, uh, no, I do know. I do know that as you watched that video, you probably had, likely had one of the same responses I did as look at their faces and look at the joy in those kids. Uh, I can remember uh, being not in Haiti, but in a similar place uh, in Ethiopia as a, as a little uh, boy, uh, a shoeshine boy who uh, made probably less than a dollar a day shining shoes. I remembered as I, as I watched that little guy shine my shoes, the smile in his face and the joy as he bounced down the road to go on to his next shoe shine and thought, wow, um, I can learn something from that little guy. The West could learn something from those little guys and gals, can't we? And it's fitting uh, this morning as we get to our topic that that's the image that we have this morning from Haiti of these joyous lives. Uh, it's been said, and I think accurately, that we are the most connected generation that's ever lived and yet the loneliest. Sometimes the most joyless. At the beginning of the creation, at Genesis 1 and 2, before Genesis 3, Genesis 3 is like this major um, watershed in the history of the Bible, but in Genesis 1 and 2, before anything has even gone wrong, okay, as God makes his creation and Adam is there made perfectly and, and there's no sin in the world yet and there, there's no frustration, he has no gluten allergies, no one has cut him off in traffic, everything is just going dandy, he, his Wi-Fi speed is just fine. Uh, God looks down in Genesis 2, verse 18, and he said, there's one thing that's not quite right about this picture. And that one thing God declares is this, it's not good that man should be alone. Everything was perfect. He, ha he had this unhindered relationship with God. He was walking in perfect fellowship with creation and with God, and yet God looks down upon that and says, there's one thing that's not good, and it's not good that man be alone. And we live in a generation, we live in a part of the world that's uh, often typified by joylessness and loneliness. Maybe you've seen some of the headlines just uh, over the last year. Headlines like this. Surgeon General says there's a loneliness epidemic. Young people report more loneliness than the elderly. The biggest threat facing middle-aged men isn't smoking or obesity, it's loneliness. The surprising effects of loneliness on health, the New York Times. Loneliness begets more loneliness, how social isolation is killing us. 
Social, social isolation kills more people than obesity. And as I was uh, studying this, this week and then as I went home Friday evening, I got an update from one of our other mission partners that we support as a church. David and Jenna Bartek sent their fall 2018 update and it hit me again after I'd been preparing this. In the second paragraph, they write this. The rising generation is reported to be one of the loneliest ever. And then Jenna goes on to talk about how she is seen in this freshman class of, of college students at Vanderbilt. Um, and what other school? Belmont. I couldn't, bring it, I couldn't pull it up quickly. Vanderbilt and, and Belmont, this freshman class, and Jenna talks about how some of the most lonely and the most desirous of connection and friendship that they have seen. Sherry Turkle is a professor of social studies of science and technology at MIT and the founding director of the MIT Initiative on Technology and Self. She's written several books, one of which is called Alone Together. Her newest is called Reclaiming Conversation. And Turkle says, the time is right to reclaim conversation, the most human and humanizing thing that we do. Turkle argues that people are increasingly functioning without face-to-face contact. For all the talk of convenience and connection derived from texting, emailing, and social networking, Turkle reaffirms that what humans still instinctively need is each other. And she encounters dissatisfaction and alienation among users, teenagers whose identities are shaped not by self-exploration, but by how they're perceived by the online collective. Mothers who feel texting makes communicating with their children more frequent, yes, less substantiated. Facebook users who feel shallow status, status updates devalue the true intimacies of friendships. Turkle's book makes a case that what was meant to be a way to facilitate communications has pushed people closer, closer to their machines and further away from each other. So we end up with depictions of modern life such as these. So if you haven't guessed it yet, today we're talking about this idea of technology. And we're in a series uh, this fall that we've entitled Dwell Together because we feel like this is not just an issue in our culture, but this is an issue in our church that we need to develop deeper relationships with one another. We need to be more connected. So this emphasis on doing life together, and it's not sit together, and it's not attend together, but it's dwell together. That Jesus has called us not only into a, a relationship with him, but he's called us into a relationship with, not, with one another. That we're to be a family who dwell together, who know one another, who share with one another, who share burdens with one another. And even as we talked about last week, who share, confess our sins to one another. The church is called to be a family, not just a place that we go, but a people that we belong to. So this morning, I want us to take a brief look at this odd but profoundly wise verse at the very end of a short little letter in the New Testament called 2 John. Okay, so turn with me to 2 John. 2 John is unique because it's one of the letters in the New Testament that only has one chapter. It's almost like a postcard. It's one page in your Bible. But at the end of 2 John, there's some words that we need to heed if we're to be people that dwell together well, okay? So 2 John, and the verse is 12, 2 John 12. And in this little verse, we're going to see two principles and a, a payoff, a reward, okay? So with that as the backdrop, listen to the inspired words of the Apostle John as he writes verse 12. 
Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Now let that just sit for just a second. Have you ever considered the Bible's view of technology? Well, here we are with one of the spirit-inspired authors of the New Testament as he writes to brothers and sisters, and he says, man, there is a lot I want to say to you, but I'd rather not use paper and ink this newfangled technology you may have heard about. But he says, but instead, I hope to come to you so that we can talk face to face. So the title of today's sermon, FaceTime. So if we're going to dwell together, if we're going to become closer brothers and sisters, we have got to have FaceTime. Dwelling together can't just happen through the network or via text or in the cloud, but it has to happen ultimately face to face. So two principles out of this short verse here. Principle number one is simply the positive side is that we should leverage technology. We should leverage technology. Now, look, as, as John writes, he's not, a boo, he's not a boo bird about technology. He's using this sophisticated pen and ink, paper and pen. As Christians, we're not uh, anti-technology. As he writes this, he's actually using technology. And God has put us over creation and said, cultivate it, utilize it, grow it. Make it better. Use the raw materials that I've given you and create and cultivate in this world. So we can be thankful, thankful to God for medical breakthroughs, for the fact that Michael is going to go into surgery Monday and the doctors are going to be able to jumpstart his heart and get it back beating correctly. We can be thankful for medical breakthroughs. We can be thankful for things just as simple as pulling out my phone and saying, yeah, we're, let's, let's meet together uh, on Wednesday for lunch. Jim, where do you want to meet? And we can make it and we can schedule it and it's right there in my calendar, in my pocket. I'm thankful that as I'm in my car, I have this, this phone that also has podcasts and sermons on it where I can listen to other preachers and I can download leadership podcasts and be helped. Through the use of technology, I love that my phone connects by Bluetooth to my Bose speaker in my office and I can just jam out to good music when I'm in a funk or in a writing block that I can have music in the background. And we can be thankful for technology that's enabled John to fly to Russia and the Middle East and train other leaders and online technology that's able to get the gospel in places that it might not be able to go as easily, or the printing press, so that you and I can enjoy the Word of God printed. Well, some of you have it this morning. Some of you have it in the newer way, I guess. But we're not, we're not anti-technology. We should leverage technology for good, but the second part of this verse is a caution that we should also limit technology. And therefore, the apostle knows that there's something better than pen and ink, that there's something better than a text, that this might just require not a, a text message, but this might be better to talk to you face to face. Brother to brother, sister to sister, live, not virtual, not simulated, not digital, but good old-fashioned analog, face-to-face, real FaceTime. We should leverage technology, but we should also 
limit technology. Have any of you uh, ever found yourself at the playground watching your kids play on the playground while you are sucked in to a device that you can't seem to cry yourself from? I have. Just yesterday, I was taking my youngest for a stroll, and as even after I prepared this message, I'm taking my youngest for a stroll, and as we're strolling, I find myself scrolling. And I have to slap myself in the face and think, what are you doing? There are moments and there are times and there are spaces to limit technology. And that's what the scriptures, as ancient as they are, teach us here, that sometimes you got to put down the pen, put down the paper, put the phone away, don't text it, make the phone call, make the phone call, better yet, make the appointment and sit down and share a meal together. Face to face. Jason, you're really liking this one today, aren't you? Maybe your house is uh, like mine, and every once in a while, no, not every once in a while, pretty frequently, you come down to the family room and you realize that everything is everywhere. That there's toys here, that there's shoes here, and there's also shoes over here, and then it's time like, kids, let's get everything back where? In its place. The shoes go on the stairs. If they're not up in your room, they go on the stairs. The toys, they go over here in this bucket. The books and the magazines, they go down here under the coffee table. Let's keep things in its proper place. And that's the emphasis, I think, that John is helping us have here as that technology is good, but it has its proper place. And you can take notes via your device this morning if you want. Okay, that's fine. Don't feel bad about it. But the, the means matters, and it matters especially for Christians because we are Christians created in the image of God, and a God who, get this, is communal himself. We've talked about this in weeks past. God, as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has always existed in relationship. And if we, you and I are humans created in the image of God, we have this innate image-bearing need for relationship. And technology can enhance that or it can take that away. It can help set up an appointment, but it certainly can't replace an appointment, can it? Technology in its place. And so look at the payoff here at the end of verse 12. I hope to come to you and talk face to face, look at the last phrase, so that our joy may be complete. And there's something here, uh, as, as John is writing, he says, if, if we were to meet together and when we can have FaceTime, that actually increases our joy together. And let me think about this honestly and um, think about it with me. There's more than one person that lives with me that has told me over time, that this is a bit of a blind spot for me. I don't think it's a blind spot. Let's be face-to-face so that our joy may be complete. Now, let me ask you and let me ask myself a question. When was the last time you scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and really put down the phone and thought, you know, I feel a lot more joyful after having scrolled through all that. In fact, I think it was C.S. Lewis, Jim Hessen will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, comparison is the thief of joy. And isn't that often what I'm doing when I'm on social media is I'm comparing contrasting, oh, wow, look where they got to go for vacation. That looks nice. Man, that's a nice restaurant. Wish I could afford to go there. Again, we're not anti-technology, 
But as humans made in the image of God, we were meant for face-to-face. And the studies now show us if as face-to-face decreases, so does our joy. As face-to-face decreases, the loneliness rises as the joy decreases. So in order to dwell together, the lesson is simple this morning. In order to dwell together as brothers and sisters in a church family and as families, as co-workers, we need to set limits and we need to make time for FaceTime. I love, um, John repeats this admonition. If you flip a page over to 3 John, he says the same thing. He takes the, he takes the personal one more notch up in verse 15 here. 3 John chapter, I'm sorry, 3 John verse 13, he writes again, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. He says the same thing. This time, pen and ink. Verse 14, I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Man, John is looking forward to some FaceTime. And then he says this, which I think is so interesting and so profitable for us to think about a little bit this morning. Verse 15, peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Greet the friends each by name. You know, one of the things um, that's really important to us as a, as a leadership and as a, as a greeting team as a staff, is that we learn one another's names. In fact, we, we have a little goal as a church, is that the second time as someone visits our church, we want someone on our team to be able to go up to that person and remember their name from the previous week. Why? Because they're not a device. They're a person with a name who deserve FaceTime and who deserve the respect of someone remembering their name. Dale Carnegie wrote a book in the 1940s, I think it was, called How to, Friend, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And one of the things that he says in that classic book is he says that the sweetest sound in any language is a person's own name. We love to hear our name. And we need face-to-face. So here's what I'd like to challenge us to do this morning. I want to offer us some cautions, and then I want to talk about some applications, okay? First of all, some cautions. Podcasts are great. I love them, but they're no substitute for being in a Bible study with other people where you can dialogue and you can have real exchange, and you can be face-to-face. YouTube is a lot of great content, a lot of crap too, excuse me, but there's some good stuff out there. But it's no replacement for getting out of your jammies and getting to church or getting to a Bible study to study the Word of God in a circle. It just can never be the same. Here's a struggle that we have even in our own church. I'm just going to be vulnerable with you. We have this wonderful platform that all of our community groups have access to that if you're a part of this church, you can have access to it too. It's called Right Now Media. Have you heard of this? If you don't have a password for it, if you don't have access to it, email us, info at centennialchurch.com, and we'll get you a link so that you can use these thousands of resources on Right Now Media. But here's the thing that we talk about as leaders when it comes to Right Now Media. There's awesome Bible studies on there. You can hear Francis Chan. You can hear Matt Chandler. You can hear Tim Keller, all these wonderful preachers and teachers. But what is it that we want to happen when our communities gather in someone's living room? Is that the time that we want? to plug in again and all be glued to a screen after we've looked at a screen all week long, some of us. There's nothing evil about right now media. Thank God they're producing great content, but we also have to know when to limit it. So we don't want all of our men's Bible studies, all of our ladies' Bible studies, all of our community groups just coming together to look at a screen of someone else doing teaching when we need to be building up other teachers and leaders and facilitators, right? You see where I'm going with this? We can become overly reliant 
on technology when we ought to be going analog a little bit, right? So if we use these technologies, particularly I'm talking about the Right Now Media thing in our small groups, we want to, we want to do it critically. Again, when it comes to technology, Christians are not outright rejecting it, nor are we uncritically accepting it. You follow me? Neither outright rejection nor uncritically accepting it. But these are some of the tensions that we have to walk through. There's a lot, there's a, there's a large movement in the modern church world to bring a preacher to you via TV, to have a campus pastor, but to have the preacher via screen. I have, I have some concerns about that. I have some concerns about that, what that communicates. I have con- some concerns about that, what, about what that means for pastoring. I think we need to be cautious about that. Just because we can do something doesn't mean that we should do it. A few cautions, okay? Let me give you some applications and we got to wrap this up, okay? The applications are twofold. Take stock of your current use and second, consider implementing some limits. Take stock of your current use and consider implementing some limits. Now, if you have an iPhone like I do, you just got a new feature where it keeps track of your screen time and it tells you how much you've been on social media. Boy, is that convicting. But take some stock, ask some questions, ask your spouse, oh man, I'm not looking forward to that. Consider implementing some limits. I've been reading this book, uh, called the TechWise Family. I linked to it on the sermon notes on our app. Okay, we even have a CC app around here. We're, we're not anti-technology. But this, this book by Andy Crouch is a, a great recommendation for families, for, not just for families, but for all of us. The TechWise Family, everyday steps for putting technology in its proper place. One of the 10 commitments that he encourages families to make is a one-hour timeout. That is in his family from the preparation of dinner, and hopefully you have some time for dinner together occasionally as a family, but from preparation time for dinner to eating dinner to when dinner is put away and the dishes are put up, that one hour is a tech-free time. That's just one simple commitment that he proposes in this book, The Tech-Wise Family. I long to see you face to face. What are some practical changes, some practical implementations that you could make? What might this mean for the way that you use your screen? What might this mean for the way you use your home, inviting people over for FaceTime? (laughs) Gather by the radio. Well, what does, what does this passage mean? What does this passage mean for your engagement with your church family, for your kids' use of technology? Jesus came not electronically. But John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And there's a reason that Jesus came in the flesh. Yes, he sent us a book. Yes, he gave us stone tablets. But when God wanted to express himself the best way he knew how, what did he do? He sent a person incarnate in the flesh to be our example and to be our Savior. And flesh is still good. Face-to-face is still good. Physical, tangible is still good. I want to give you some time to think about this this morning. And so I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes as the band comes forward and give you a moment just to meditate on this. What might the Holy Spirit be prompting you to do in light of the goodness of face-to-face.
You probably know how to leverage technology. Are there some ways you need to limit it to dwell together better? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do in light of this example, in light of this text, in light of the goodness of creation and Jesus coming to us in the flesh? Teach our hearts, Lord. Father God, we come to you this morning and we confess um, our frequent distraction. We confess our frequent forgetfulness, our too often joylessness, selfishness, distraction from lesser things, not only to you, but even to the people that we love the most, our lack of presence. You, God, you've told us to cultivate this world. You've told us to create and to steward this earth and our resources. So you, we pray, God, you would help us to embrace what we need to embrace and to reject what we need to reject, reject. You've also told us, God, not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, the priorities of the world, the excesses of the world. My God, we thank you that you've made us for you and that you've made us for connection with you and for connection with one another. And we thank you that when we were at our end, when we were at our worst, you did not send us a memo or a text, but you sent us Jesus in the flesh to walk among us, to be our example and to be our sacrifice for our sin, our distraction, and our excesses. Lord, I pray that as believers in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, that we would be intentionally face-to-face, that we wouldn't be lost in a virtual world, but that we would be engaged in the very physical, broken world that we roam in every day. Think about those words that someone wrote, Lord, that love begins by looking. I pray that you would help us to look up, look out, instead of looking down and looking inward so much.
And God, as we come to your table this morning, we thank you so much for this reminder again of the physicality of your love. The flesh of your love that Jesus came to us and that he has given us in remembrance of him these tangible, physical, visible reminders of your presence. So as we partake of the cup and we partake of the bread, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us, you would remind us of your presence, and you would send us out into this world in intimacy with Jesus to make an impact for him. May we go in the stead of Jesus. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your life, for your body and your blood given for us. It's in your beautiful